Hi, friends, and welcome inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. The Jimmy Rogers Radio Show is off and running on this Monday night as the Jackrabbit football team, the number one team in the FCS, wrapped up its non-conference season with an impressive victory over Drake at Target Field, the home of the Minnesota Twins. On Saturday afternoon, the Jacks are 3-0 and as they begin what is affectionately known within the program as Improvement Week and they get set for a matchup with the University of North Dakota to open up conference play in 12 days on September the 30th. So we'll be talking about that here in the next hour on the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. We've got a couple of guests alongside with us. We will talk with the defensive backs, a safeties coach at South Dakota State, Pete Menage. He'll be with us in just a little bit. Jimmy Rogers will be with us as well, of course. But we will start things off with a starting safety, a Sioux Falls native, a heck of a punt returner, in fact, the Missouri Valley Football Conference Special Teamer of the Week. Please give a round of applause to Tucker Large, everybody. Tucker, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Well, it's good to have you with us here. Let's backtrack a little bit. Sioux Falls Roosevelt, South Dakota State. not a far drive. Walk me through the process. Why did you decide to be a Jackrabbit? Uh, just the family and brotherhood that the coaches showed me from the get-go of even recruiting me. They just made it seem like family once I got here and once they started talking to me and building that relationship, I was just grateful to be a part of all this. Now, I cannot tell you how many of your teammates and how many members of the staff told me the amount of work you put in in the offseason. And surely when you hear it from that many people, I know some of them are full of it, but they can't all be that full of it, Tucker. So tell me during the offseason, what was it? Did you feel like you needed to rededicate yourself? Or what was it during the offseason that got you ready for this fall? Um, I definitely came in a little, like undersized, and I still am undersized. So the, my biggest thing was just putting on weight and putting on good weight, obviously. Um, I wanted to get faster, and that was one of my main goals of just like, using that every single day at practice and trying to like go full speed and not just going through the reps and taking that taking advantage of all the reps I was getting in spring because there was a couple of injuries that had happened so I just want to make the most of it and get all my reps and do what I do. Now as you made this transformation of sorts or these improvements did you get a sense at one point could you feel a difference from where you were last year to where you are now? Um, I mean mentally the game definitely slowed down just like coming into the program it's a lot to learn you just you're getting force-fed all these plays and all these schemes, and, like, you just kind of – it's a lot. It's an overload. And, I don't know, just getting it mentally is probably the biggest thing for me of slowing down the game for me. So, Tell me about becoming a punt returner. <laughs> um, so I haven't had much experience with it in college, but I, I started doing it a little bit at the end of my senior year. and In high school. Yeah, in, hi in high school. And I kind of just – I don't know. I think of backyard football when I think of punt return. I got to give a huge shout-out to the entire punt, punt return unit. They make it easy for me blocking everyone. I just kind of make guys miss and play backyard football. Well, it certainly has worked well, uh, and just the process of this, how much of it is planned, how much of it is improvisation from you when you're putting on these returns? Um, I don't know. I just, I'm kind of just reacting out there. We, have, we, def we follow a scheme and everything, but like I said, I just, I see open field, I'm going to take the open field, and I just, I follow my blocks like I'm supposed to, so. I want to talk about Jackrabbit Nation in the last couple of weeks. First off, take me back to that game against Montana State at Dana J. Dykel Stadium. Can you possibly describe what that atmosphere was like nine nights ago? I can't really put words into it. It was just crazy seeing everyone come out and support us. It was just, it was really overwhelming, the atmosphere that we can make as a Jackrabbit family. 
And then as cool as that was, you get a very unique experience just two days ago getting to play at the home of the Minnesota Twins, Target Field. Now, you told me earlier you'd never been to Target Field before. Mm-mm. No, that was my first time. I mean, I have family members that are huge Minnesota Twins fans, and my grandpa especially. So it's kind of just really fun and unique getting, actually getting to play out there for a football game. Playing on natural grass with the dirt as well of the baseball field, did you notice anything when you were actually out there during the course of the game, or once it starts, the adrenaline takes over and you're just playing football? The adrenaline definitely takes over when you kind of just play football, but playing on real grass again, it kind of reminded me of the Frisco feeling, so it was nice to see that. And then the dirt and stuff, yeah, I mean, kind of just like I said, the adrenaline takes over, you don't really notice it in the game. Okay, now you're letting the hair go here. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely need a haircut right now. <laughs> my mom was on me. I had a wedding this weekend, actually, so my mom was on me about it the week prior. So so the next time we see you, it'll be a little more buttoned up. Definitely. It'll, it'll be trimmed up for sure. <laughs> All right, well, you're in the running for best hair right now currently as a Jackrabbit. So when you get trimmed up, who will then take over? Who's the top three at this point? <laughs> top three. I know McCormick's not up there because he has no hair, but um, I don't know. That's a long-standing rivalry. Oh, with yeah, McCormick. No, I mean, it's a, it's a brother. Yeah, we got we the Roosevelt fight. life, yep, yes. Yep. But I don't know about top three. I'd say I'm number one for sure. Humble brag. <laughs> Humble brag. What are you majoring in? Uh, I was business, econ- business economics, and I just switched over to consumer affairs this last semester. Okay, so long term, what do you want to do with that? Um, I'm not really for sure yet. I'm kind of still like undecided of what I want to do long term. I eventually want to get into like housing and real estate and all that. But as of right now, I'm kind of still undecided. Well, you got plenty of time. Tucker, enjoy improvement week and uh, good luck a week from Saturday. Definitely. Thanks for having me up here. Tucker Large with us here on the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. When we come back, we'll be joined by Pete Menage, a member of the coaching staff. You're listening to the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and more of the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. Your Jackrabbit Game Day headquarters is Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Better than 50 high-definition televisions, award-winning wings, burgers, sandwiches, wraps, salads, and more. All the NFL games on Sunday, it's all right here at Cubby Sports Bar and Grill, Main Avenue, downtown Brookings. We have the better looking of the two cousins of the Menages, of course, here. He coaches the safeties. Please give it up for Pete Menage, everybody. Appreciate it. How are you, Pete? I'm doing well, especially after the, the opening comment. Well, uh, hey, that was we, a good compliment we, we, to start we, my day. We tee you up, my friend. You definitely have the better <laughs> hair. I mean, there's no question about that. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, first things first, we were discussing this earlier, but for those who don't know, from your last time in Brookings to now, life has changed a little bit. The yep. family is growing, so fill us in on how everybody's doing. Yeah, doing well. My uh, my son, is uh, he'll be two here in December. Um, wife, been married for four years, so... Um, I had just been married last time uh, I was on the show, actually, as a student coach. So um, kind of cool how, how life comes around in a circle, and uh, I'm glad to bring my family back here. We've really enjoyed it. So Rock Rapids, Iowa. Yep. Right? And yep. then ended up here, of course. From here, student assistant after your playing days, and then you went to? Northern Illinois for Northern uh, Illinois. for two years with Dan Jackson. Yep, so. and worked with some former Jackrabbits down there. Yep. And then? Went on a state with Brian Bergstrom. So, um, and then? Fortunately enough, Co- Coach Rogers hired me back here in uh, in February and kind of made made another circle. So uh, been been cool. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a lot of really good mentors just in this profession and uh, guys that I've worked with that are also really awesome uh, people. So it's obvious when you have a championship program, people want to be involved with it. But what is it about this place that made you want to come back beyond the success on the gridiron? Yeah, I think 
first off, just as a community, you got to look, I'm looking at it as a, as a dad and, um, Brookings as a community is so awesome. Um, we had such a fun summer and, um, I've, I've enjoyed sharing it with my son now, um, since my wife kind of knew what it was all about. Um, but then you look at it from, uh, just the, who, who are you working with? Who are the people that you're, that you're doing life with and impacting? And I think when you look across our staff, um, there's so many people on our staff that are, um, like-minded people and, uh, good dudes that have families and, and, uh, and, uh, it's just a lot of fun being around. And I think just that, that brotherhood from the, the community to staff to, um, the guys on the team, I think it's pretty special. Let's talk a little about the position group, the safeties that you have. And let's begin with that man who was up here a little bit ago in uh, Tucker Large, who has really stepped up his game to another level. And we talked about it. So you get here and you watch him transform himself from a contributor a year ago and and really even John Stiglmeyer admitted kind of surprised everybody how much he was able to contribute last year to this year where you and so many others said look he's going to surprise people with just how good this kid has become and he certainly has yeah I think uh when you watched him last year I mean the kid has such good feel um he's a really good basketball player did so many things just on what he felt in a in a football game um, I think where he took the biggest jump in, in spring ball is like locking in on his technique. Um, you know, he's not just out there guarding somebody like he was in, in high school basketball. He's actually focused on technique and he understands what's going on in, in the football game and what we're trying to do on defense. And he can kind of combine the two, you know, playing with great feel and also um, doing his job within the defense. And he's done an awesome job um, with that. And then he starts returning punts all over the place. So I don't know. <laughs> Kids just got to decide what he wants to be best at. <laughs> Well, tell me about uh, K.O. Reader and the impact that he makes to this program. Yeah, sometimes uh, when when we're ta- when we're installing something new or um, looking at somebody that we played in the past, um, I'll I'll ask Kayla, you got anything else, Dad? Um, just because he's played so much football and he and he knows it so well. Um, he's extremely physical. Um, plays a good technique, and he's he's fun to coach. He's he's fun to be around. He's a goofy um, goofy guy that that people gra- gravitate towards. So. Um, Really enjoy coaching Kale, and he's he's obviously a really good football player. Um, you can you can hear when he when he makes contact with people before you can even see it. So he hits. There's so much competition among the safeties, and another guy in that competition for the two starting jobs, the two we mentioned, and Colby Herder. Yeah, uh, Colby, he had an awesome like last two weeks of fall camp. Um, he, that just when he's really he really flashed, and uh, you know. He got the start in, in the Western Oregon game, um, largely because of that. He's just playing so hard, um, had the pick six, and um, another extremely smart kid in the room that uh, flies around and is, is really fun to coach. He's from Texas, so um, cool. <laughs> you know, he's he, when we play teams like Montana State and teams all over, he's always got somebody he knows on the, on, on the opposing team, and, uh, you know, he's always uh, chirping at him, so it's, it's kind of fun to watch him play. And uh, Matthew Durant's kind of sneaks in there at times, but uh, he's made a significant impact during his time as a Jackrabbit. Yeah, Matt. Uh, Matt flies around. He uh, he's a long, big kid. He's really fast. Um, and then he's he's just kind of coming into his own. Uh, he's got so much more um, to 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 grow as a football player. It's it's pretty exciting considering where he's at right now. Those are the four that maybe earn most of the headlines, but uh, you got a group behind them as well, some guys that work hard day in, day out, and have earned some reps as well during the non-conference. Yeah, Dante Johnson's a guy that uh, hoping to get back from injury. Um, he saw a little bit of time last year, um, and, and he's going to be a really good player. He's from Colorado. Uh, Noah Thompson is a kid from Brandon Valley that uh, got in a little bit against Drake and has played in some special teams along the way. Um, but I think he, he has a bright future in front of him. Um, and then true freshman-wise, Colton Tilford was all over the field against uh, against Western Oregon. 
that kid. Pick in the end oh man, yeah, he flies around. Um, he's he's an awesome kid, and he's fun to fun to be around and fun to watch play. He just goes. Um, he, you know, uh, and then and then uh, Sioux Falls kid Bo Giblin, um, got better throughout fall camp, and excited to see what he can do in, in this program. Okay, for you, having been so involved in this program over the last decade in one form or another, to see what that Montana State atmosphere was like some nine days ago, and I see you're already getting jacked up as I ask about it, knowing that we are on the precipice of more atmospheres like that with the attendance numbers and the ticket sales, uh, what does it mean to you to see Dana J. Dykal Stadium and feel what that was like on a night like last Saturday? It was awesome. I mean, you definitely uh, felt it from our standpoint, just trying to communicate with our players and them communicate with each other. We're like, man, we got to figure out some hand signals or something because uh, we can't we can't talk. Uh, but no, that's awesome, Jackrabbit Nation. Like, we got to keep that up. And um, to come from, you know, I you know I, I when I was here and experiencing it the last time, it it, it was just on the up and up. You know, with Dana J. Dykow Stadium, it just opened up. Um, we were kind of on this upward trend, but um, to see it just you know, five short years later, however long it's been, it was pretty incredible, um, pre pretty awesome to see. And then just knowing so many Jackrabbit alums, I talked to one um, alum today that uh, he co coaches at my high school. Um, he was at the meet and greet today. Um, and him just talking about, you know, the old field and um, how it all looks now compared to back then even, um, just it's pretty special to just continually be a part of. Well, to that point, there was a time really when, when you first were getting going as a student athlete that to put 18,000 people for a home game in Brookings would have been hard to wrap your head around. And then to see last Saturday 18,000 people at a neutral site four hours off campus at a baseball field, uh, very, what a unique experience that had to be for you. So cool. Um, I think personally the coolest part about it, um, there with coaching with Jake um, is really cool in the first place. And then we always used to go to Twins games with our dads um, on, on, you know, weekends and stuff like that. So to uh, pull up to that stadium and, and walk out to center field and just look up and be like, holy smokes, we're about to coach a football game on this thing. Um, pretty unique experience. And then to see the guys just kind of take advantage of it, take it and run with it. Um, that was cool. We did what we needed to do. All right. Well, Pete, it's great to have you back in Brookings. Congrats on the 3-0 non-conference. Good luck the rest of the way. Appreciate it. Safety's coach Pete Menage with us. And when the Jimmy Rogers radio show continues, the uh, man whose name is on the show joins us. The head man is back. When you return to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and the Jimmy Rogers radio show. Presented in part by our friends at First Bank and Trust. If it's in your big picture, First Bank and Trust can help you achieve it with personalized financial planning and trusted advice. Find out how First Bank and Trust makes planning for your future easier at bankeasy.com. I'm Tyler Merriam, the head coach of the Yellow and Blue. Jimmy Rogers is up here with us to recap the game against Drake on Saturday and talk about improvement week and where things are at as three games are in the books for the Jackrabbits, the number one team in the FCS now, 3-0. and oh. We'll discuss all the particulars, Coach, in a moment, but let's just begin with this. All the talk about playing at Target Field, the home of the Minnesota Twins, to walk around Friday as you did with the team, uh, with your family. The kids got to run around there on the infield, which was cool. And then to be out there, play the game on Saturday, just uh, what were your takeaways from being in that environment in a major league baseball stadium playing college football? Yeah, it was really special. I think uh, our players really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I was talking to my wife, 1% of the world gets to run out of that dugout, you know, in a major league stadium. And our guys had the opportunity to do that. And I, 
I wanted to get there Friday so they could see the field, get the feel of the field, see how it was laid out, but also just to soak up the moment because Saturday is for the game and to try to get that part of the pitchers and the ooh and the ah out of the way and, and just focus on the game the next day. And I feel like we did that um, as far as the playing surface. That was that was different. I've obviously never played a, a football game or football on a baseball field. Um but I felt like our guys handled it, and once the game started, they didn't think anything of the dirt or, or anything like that. Two things jumped out to me watching everybody walk around on Friday. I thought everybody had their phones out except for two people, Hunter Dustman, the kicker, and Hunter, rightfully so, was very concerned because one of his kickoff spots is in the middle of the infield surface. And as we have often joked on this show, before you and now with you as the head coach, kickers can be an odd breed, and so anything can throw them off. And this is an understandable one. So I totally get that one. The other one was Mason McCormick, who was much more interested in playing with your kids than he was <laughs> taking pictures or doing anything else. My love, my kids love Mason. He's, he is uh, the new fan favorite in my house. It was, it was Malik Lofton, and I think Mason might take the crown now because it was always my son with Malik. Um, but now it's my son and my daughter with Mason, and they love him. So it's always cool to have the players around my kids. I really enjoy that. But – yeah, part of the strategy when we started the game, I wanted to defer. We wanted to win the toss, obviously, and then we wanted to kick into the infield. And part of that had to do with just starting Hunter from the grass and getting a good kick under his belt. We knew at some point he would have to kick a PAT there, but that is what it is. But also, the plan was to go three and out. That didn't work out. And the plan was then to uh, – I didn't want to put Tuck uh, back there catching punts for the first time, drifting from grass to dirt and feeling the difference as he gauges a ball in the air. So, uh, obviously, that didn't happen, uh, which was unfortunate. But uh, our guys responded, and when they got in the dirt, they didn't really think too much of it. Okay, I want to ask you about one other thing before we talk about the game itself, and you shared this with me afterwards in our, in our post game as well. But you said right before you led the team out of the first base dugout to come onto the field – that was a moment that struck you. And what went through your mind in that moment before you led the team out? Yeah, I was just thinking how far this program has come. Um, I mean, I was here with the trailers in that old bomb shelter of a locker room. So as we were about to run out, I, I like said it to Isaiah Davis. I said, this is much different than the trailers. And he didn't understand anything I was talking about. Um, thank God. Um, let, let, let's chat a little here because obviously a lot of the folks here at Cubbies are longtime Jackrabbit fans and understand, but for those that don't, Coughlin Alumni Stadium, which was the home of the Jackrabbit football team for 54 years, which would have more appropriately been named Coughlin Alumni Grandstand, but on the west side was a fine concrete grandstand. On the east side were some essentially temporary bleachers, and there was a locker room in the southwest corner, which when it was first built in the 60s housed both teams, which is hard to believe. Then it housed just the Jackrabbits for the majority of its time. And when Mike Daly became head coach in the early 90s, he was able to get some trailers brought in to be the team rooms, if you will. Then those got moved from the west side to the east side and sat under those bleachers. And so when you were a student athlete, you had your meetings in these trailers, and I still remember walking into them to meet with Jay Bubak and to meet with Luke Meadows, and there were always Folgers coffee cans to catch the rain that yep. was seeping in from the leaky roof. That was where you met for your team meetings when you were competing for and winning conference championships during the Division One transition. Yeah, that was uh, 
you know, I, I said this before when I came on my official visit. They said there's the facility, and they kept driving. Then nobody wanted to see the facilities. Accentuate the positives and yeah, hide the negatives, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, when I came, it was minus four, and they never let me outside. <laughs> I got. I was like, yeah, it's not that bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, we've grown so much. And, you know, thinking about those moments, it's it's hard to – put into words like how how much the program has has grown and then the opportunity to just be on a national stage and and uh play in, in a venue like that the program has gone to new heights and honestly uh during my press conference at the end I like kind of catching myself getting emotional again about like just the heights that the program has taken over the years and honestly uh towards the end of coach Stig's time I could feel that in him that uh, he would always say, wow, you know, like him and Lori would take a moment and like how blessed they are. I'm blessed to be the head coach here, uh, but I, really I'm blessed to have the tenure I've had as a player, as a coach, and uh, gradually moving myself up more than anything else. And it has everything to do with the people and, and the work that went into getting us to the place that we're at right now as a football program. And there's so many people sacrificed that, that has gotten us to this point and for that, I'm grateful. Well, one of those people, uh, to bring Dana Dykhouse's name into this, he speaks to the team every year, and one of the things he talks about is when he was playing in the 70s and some of those facilities because it's important for those who never saw those trailers. Yep. Who uh, I still remember watching them being drug away for the last time. And for those who weren't a part of that, you need to understand where you came from to truly appreciate where you are. Yeah, I know uh... – just a new era I wish I the kids had some type of perspective on how far this has grown but in the end um, anybody that has teenagers you know like they don't care what you guys <laughs> went through you know like nobody cares anymore right um, I care because there was a lot of hard work that went in um, into those <laughs> during that time those trailers I mean insulation would fall from the ceiling and the electricity would go out we'd be in there with no heat um, We'd meet at 4.50 in the morning in the old uh, locker room, and there was definitely no heat in there. And so you'd be seeing your breath in a meeting and coming from a guy from Arizona. I was wondering, what am I doing? Um, but, yeah, there's been a lot of work into this thing, and it's hard not to look back and be grateful for where we're at right now. And uh, But the goal is to stay and keep pushing this thing farther than what we all thought we could. Well, we all stayed downtown uh, with the team on Friday night and to walk around downtown Friday night to dinner and see so many Jackrabbit fans. I mean, every time you turned around on our walk, we walked a few blocks to a restaurant and back and all sorts of Jackrabbit stuff. And then on Saturday, the Alumni Association had organized all the different stops along the way and, and uh, people could literally just crawl from one to another and, and take in a bunch of different folks and to see how many people turned out for that and then came out, of course, to the game. I mean, Jackrabbit Nation took over downtown Minneapolis this past weekend. Yeah, I think the fan base is growing as more, you know, the more and more we win. Um, everybody wants to connect to a winner. And uh, I appreciate all the long-term fans that were with us through the trailers because um, we have grown this thing to new heights, but there's been consistency from most most of Jackrabbit Nation. And, and uh I'm excited to see where we can take this. Every place started somewhere. Alabama started somewhere. Georgia started somewhere. And if you think, well, we're far from that, well, then maybe you're not part of the vision. Um, because I do believe that this place could be really special and it can grow much bigger than what we all think. Um, and part of that is because winning breeds winning. And kids want to be a part of a successful program. And, and uh, 
the more they keep coming out and supporting us and wanting to be a part of our fan base and, and cheering us on, it does make an impact in getting those top players that are now looking at us as one of the premier schools in the country. One other note about the game day atmosphere on Saturday. Uh, so many folks within the staff of Jackrabbit Athletics and the Minnesota Twins. I mean, the two staffs worked hand in hand, and there was a lot of cooperation. There's a lot of challenges to make an event like Saturday happen behind the scenes, and and uh, and Kip and and the great crew, Dave St. Peter, and everybody with the Minnesota Twins, and, and certainly Justin Slade and on down the line with, with his staff here at SDSU Athletics to pull this all together. One of the logistics was figuring out how to get a 325-person band into that stadium at a place where they could be heard and make an impact, and where they were in the left center field bleachers, having the roof over them, the way that the acoustics played out. Man, they were loud. They got to come on the field at halftime, and, and what a cool moment that is. I know you're in the locker room and don't get to watch halftime, but you feel them. You have to hear and feel their presence during the game. Yeah, my wife took a picture of the last play and then the score of the national championship. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, the band is always awesome, so anywhere we could put the band when we travel would be huge. Um, they make an impact in the game, and as soon as we go out there, our guys feed off of their energy, and also they love to razz the other team, which is which is all always fun. But, um, yeah, they were awesome, and I, I text Kessler after the game just appreciating him and, and what he does with that whole group. Oh, he does an unbelievable job, and folks don't realize they left the game and went to a band performance that other bands were at and performed at that later that night, so they had a full day and did a tremendous job down there in the Twin Cities. We're going to talk more about the game against Drake and a heck of a lot more after that with the head coach, Jimmy Rogers, when we continue live from Cubby's Sports Bar and Grill here on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill with this, the Jimmy Rogers Radio Show. I'm Tyler Merriam alongside with the head coach. This is an off week as far as games are concerned for the top-ranked team in the FCS. South Dakota State does not have a game this Saturday, but the Jacks will open up Missouri Valley Football Conference play hosting North Dakota a week from Saturday. That'll be September the 30th. It is a 2 o'clock kickoff. A number of things going on on that Saturday, including Hall of Fame weekend. One of your former teammates, Danny Batten, among the individuals who will be officially enshrined into the Jackrabbit Sports Hall of Fame coming up on the 30th. If you want tickets, you better act now for the next three home games because they are going very quickly for that one. Hobo Day and North Dakota State, JackrabbitTickets.com if you have not secured yours yet. And while you're at it, you might as well just get the Missouri State. Maybe we can make yes. it a bundle. There you go. Absolutely. Let's just get them all, and then you can line yourself up for playoff tickets and the whole kit and caboodle. It's all available at jackrabbittickets.com. And while you're there, soccer, volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, wrestling. Now you're asking for a lot. Well, <laughs> hey, 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 let's dream. I know. Let's go. You know, you told us earlier we can't just rest on our laurels here, so let's think big, my friend. Uh, so as you pointed out, Drake comes out, and Colin Howard, a very talented wide receiver who had a great game against North Dakota a couple of weeks ago, is able to work his way into the secondary, make a couple of big catches. Bailey threw two very good balls for Drake, and all of a sudden you're three minutes into this game and you're down 7 nothing. and uh, I don't want to say it was a good thing that it happened, but in some respects, if you're worried about maybe taking a team lightly to get popped in the mouth right away, it can get everybody's attention a little bit. Yeah, I was asked that earlier. I wasn't worried about... The spirit of the team. I was just more frustrated with the lack of ability to do their job. Um, the execution. The execution of it. and uh, Those are two talented players, and they both made mistakes. And if those mistakes would have happened at any point in the game, nobody would have noticed. It just happened 
yeah. simultaneously right right after each other. So they'll learn from it. They'll get better. Some of it is eye discipline. Some of it, Dallas just lost the ball in the air and the kid made a play. So credit to them, and, and I, I feel like we responded and, and we played much better the rest of the game. Yeah, when you look defensively at what you're able to do, Drake finishes with 47 rushing yards. And of that 47, Bailey has two-thirds of that on three scrambles and one fourth-quarter possession. So you completely took away the run game from the Bulldogs. Yeah, that's kind of like make people be one-dimensional and make them have to pass the ball because, I mean, you control the clock that way, obviously, if you, if they can't run the ball because we can and we're going to expect to run the ball at will. And so, yeah, that's always our game plan if, you know, attack them, make them one-dimensional, and, and made them, and then we kind of control the situation moving forward defensively, just what we can do with the multiple of coverages that we have. But it's, it starts with stopping the run, and on those couple plays, they just got behind us. Drake hits that one big play to score a touchdown, but never ventures inside the red zone, so your defense holds them out of that. Meanwhile, your offense, six red zone trips, six touchdowns, and it was a huge part of your success last year. It's been that way so far this year. When you don't give up touchdowns, don't give up red zone trips defensively, and you score touchdowns in the red zone, that usually is a recipe for success. Yeah, I was really proud of our offense. We kind of just stayed uh, smooth no, no matter who came into the game. The transition was really smooth. Um, seven different guys scored touchdowns. Um, Angel Johnson, obviously, was the hot hand there and was really explosive. And then Mark, I mean, he threw for five touchdowns, ran for one. Um, was shocked he wasn't the player of the week because he was a, had an unbelievable game. But, uh, yeah, I was excited about our defense, how we played, um, and was excited about our offense when they got in the red zone that they took care of business as well. I think we're right now the top team in the country in the red zone. Yeah, if uh, Gronowski maybe scored seven or eight touchdowns, maybe you could have gotten yeah. the Offensive Player of the Week. The way he did, he ends up establishing a new career high for touchdown passes with five. But I don't say this out of school. The favorite of the five for him was the one to Kevin Brenner, the converted uh, defensive end to tight end, his first career catch. It's good for a touchdown. Gronowski's a good friend of his. For that moment to occur, I could tell talking with Mark afterwards and you as well, that was just a special moment for everybody. Yeah, it was really cool, and it's cool to see you know, Kevin just continue to come into his own at the tight end position because he came here as a non-scholarship defense, and we felt really good about him on defense, and it was really – Coach Stiggs wishes that he moved to off the offense side of the ball. And as a defensive coach, I was like, he's going to help us on DN more than he'll help us at tight end. And when he moved to tight end, it was he's been uh, really, really, uh, for one, reliable, and he's been consistent in his efforts to continue to get better and grow. And um, we now, you know, Coach Stiggs can see the future, and, and uh, he was right about Kevin. So um, it was exciting to see him get in because work, he works extremely hard. Griffin Wildy has now played three games in his Jackrabbit career. He has caught a touchdown pass in each of the three. And I've said this a couple of times, the fact that he knew he was getting to the edge of the warning track when he leaped and drug his foot, even though the back line of the end zone was four <laughs> yards past that, he knew he was on the edge of the outfield grass and thought enough to drag his foot. That just stands out to me as a remarkable uh, amount of, of acuity and, and mental knowledge to have a feel of where you're going to be and try to take care of things. You know where the grass hit the dirt in all areas of that field? It was somewhat unique because when the – me and Coach Lujan were talking about this when the first down marker was just outside the grass. It almost felt like, for whatever reason, visually looking at it, almost like an NFL line where you see it on the screen. <laughs> so you're seeing the dirt thinking that's the first baseline. 
And so we'd be saying on the headset, like, we're short, and actually it was a first down. Because, uh, yeah, I think it threw off threw us all off a little bit. The other part, too, about that, uh, it was funny in talking with both Jesse Bobbitt, defensive coordinator, and Zach Lujan, your offensive coordinator. Obviously, you're playing in a baseball stadium, so things are not like they are at a football stadium. And so the arrangement was there were three suites right at the 50-yard line that we were allowed to have access to. The middle one was for the stats and for the the score operators, et cetera, to make sure they had everything detail-wise right. Because in the normal press box, like we were in, we're behind home plate off in the corner, so that can be a challenge. So they were there. To the left and right of them were two more suites. One had the Drake coaches and one had your coaches. And so essentially your coaching box is a suite. And both Jimmy or both uh, Zach and, and Jesse said, we're going to be calling plays outside because they're sitting on the outside part of the suite. For whatever reason, that stood out to both of those guys. Yeah, I think that's just a little unique. You're usually uh, enclosed and you're behind glass and you just get used to a certain level of comfort in the same spot, seeing the same things like at Dana J, mm-hmm. much easier. But their suite setup was very similar to Dana J. And so sitting outside, I do think that is a little unique. But at the end of the day, uh, we play in some venues where you're on top of a trailer. Right, yes. Western, Western Illinois. So um, there's certain situations where you just have to be at your best wherever they put you, and I feel like our guys were not worried about where they were at. It's a darn shame we're not going to Macomb. Chase Mason, 3 of 4 for 33 yards through the air and then had that 69-yard touchdown rush. He brought up Angel Johnson, who had four carries for 90 yards and a couple of scores. Let's flip defensively here. Dayton McGoy ends up with nine tackles. It was an emotional day for Savion Williamson being back in the Twin Cities. He's a Waseca, Minnesota native, and to make five stops, Cullen McShane stepping in with Williamson going out for a little bit. McShane was all over the field. I mean, you had a lot of guys defensively rise to the occasion. Yeah, I was really proud of Dayton. Dayton practices extremely hard, and he's always very intentional with trying to get better, and he has a great sense of humor. He's, his uh, energy is uh, it just spreads, and the guys love razzing him and being around him. And to see him step in again and have success – I think his energy provides energy to other people, and it's just contagious. So, uh, yeah, but Savion, at this point, we just trust in Savion to make sure that he does his job, and and he's done an unbelievable job stepping in for Adam Bach, and I want to keep him in the rotation as much as possible moving forward. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of guys that stepped up. I, I, I was really happy with Colin McShane because I do see the future in Colin McShane much like I saw the future in Adam Bach and, and Christian Roseboom, he is going to be a good one. He just needs time and reps and experience, and, and he's going to get there. And to get in that moment where the game was actually – it wasn't out of – Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't completely done at the moment where he stepped in, and, and we didn't miss a beat defensively. It was good to see. And we, of course, have to acknowledge Tucker Large, the Missouri Valley Football Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. Four punt returns, average 24 yards per return, and a long of 61. He's been putting on a show back there. Yeah, Tuck is special. And uh, four returns, 149, and 30. We lost 30 on the on the yeah. when he spun the ball. That actually got reviewed, and they said it shouldn't have been a penalty. Yeah, so for those that don't realize, the 15-yard penalty he got was because at the end of the play, he tried to spin the football, which he says he can never do, and this time the ball actually spun. Because it was in the dirt. It sped for, it spun for like 10 seconds. It was like a perfect perfect spiral. And so the official saw it and flagged him, and then you sent that in to be reviewed, and they said they should not have flagged it. Correct. Yeah, and that's why I didn't even notice it, because Tuck is usually pretty non-emotional when he makes plays. He just... 
kind of walked off the field and he was walking at me. I had no idea he had spun the football. And, I mean, we got guys that weigh first down in front of everybody and <laughs> dance in the end zone, and I was shocked that that got called. So I just wanted acknowledgement on uh, what is actually a penalty these days because <laughs> nothing gets called and then the little things get called. And uh, we'll clean up some of the retaliation penalties, but to be mad at a kid for the excitement, he didn't even look excited. He just kind of it looked like he expected to do it, and then he got flagged. Anything else jump out to you from this contest we haven't touched on? Uh, we hit on the fans. I just keep – that is such a big thing for the players. I don't yeah. think everybody really realizes how that impacts how they prepare and how much they want to do good and, and work extremely hard and because they know that they're going to always come to a full environment. I think that part is just uh, – shouldn't go unnoticed. Well, and to play off of that because you have team meetings on Monday nights. So unless they're coming down here to be a guest – they have meetings during this time. They don't get to watch this show or come down here. Every one of them, and Tucker said the same thing. He sits down and goes, looks around and goes, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Yeah. They're blown away by how yeah. many people turn out here, not counting everybody that's watching on Facebook and listening and whatnot. Yeah, I think the guys just really appreciate the support, and it's what makes this place special, and it's also what's going to continue to make it grow you know, to new heights like we talk about. So really grateful for the fans, and I was happy with the guys' performance and – Really the consistency through the game, no matter who played. Um, seeing the 2-0 line that has struggled in the past, they did not struggle in yeah. this game. And and uh, it was just good to see because I think you can learn from all success just like how you learn from failure. And there's things that we need to improve at as a whole um, and, and positionally and, and individually. And uh, this is going to be a great opportunity to get better and get healthy and refine our tools. All right, we'll talk improvement week and get a health update from the head coach, Jimmy Rogers, when the Jimmy Rogers radio show continues. We're live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Stick around. This is the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill as we round third and head for home on the Jimmy Rogers radio show. Again, the Jackrabbit football team does not have a game this Saturday. They will host North Dakota on September the 30th, a week from Saturday, to open up Missouri Valley Football Conference play. I'm Tyler Merriam. He is Jimmy Rogers, the head coach. A couple of key contributors to last year's national championship team have played little or none, depending upon which one of the two names I mentioned during the non-conference. Jaden Yonke uh, was able to play a little bit last week, but uh, missed two of the three games. Adam Bach has not played any of the first three games, but the hope here is that those two will be able to come back once conference play begins, right? Yeah, we believe that they'll both be back. Um, Jaden was, I mean, he, he feels really good right now. He's for sure going to be going against UND as long as everything works out the next several, the next two weeks. And Adam is in uh, the stages of being back for sure. I just, I want to be cautious with him because, I mean, it was a severe injury and he's got to be healthy and we got to make a run with him. And um, I don't think one game defines you, but we're going to need him in the stretch. That's a hard deal, too, because you know how bad Bach wants to play, and he would go out there even if it was risking more damage because he just wants to go out there. So to try to get somebody to pull back a little bit like Bach, that's a hard thing to convince a young man to do. Yeah, we went through it when he uh, played versus Holy Cross. Yeah. It was hard because he wanted to play, and he deserves the reps. He works extremely hard for the opportunity to get out there, and then something like that happens, and We'll see how he looks. I'm not going to risk his risk injuring him or hurting him um, for the future for a game. Um, 
But if he's ready, he'll he'll play, and I know he'll be ready. So I feel good about where he's at. Those are the two significant ones. But, I mean, overall, you always have some nicks and bruises, but you feel like you've gotten through non-conference play about as healthy as you could hope for? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, two of those games we may compete at practice harder than – and that's no offense. We just come going against offense and defense, and we're going to go this week going, you know, three days in a row versus each other for a good amount of time to make sure that we're honing our tools because – I said this before, but we played 17, 17 to 22 snaps with our ones versus Western Oregon. And then versus Drake, we had, you know, as a staff said, we, we want to at least get 38 minutes in with the group. Um, and I don't even think we got to 38 minutes. We scored so fast in the second half that uh, I think we scored twice within five minutes. So we were talking about we got to we're going to take these guys out and get other guys reps. So. Yeah, those things are important. We got to stay healthy, and we also need to develop the guys in behind them because it's not just uh, next guy up; it's also the future of this football program. And we don't want the first time they take reps in in critical moments to be their first reps. I know Luhan floated it out to me a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, but you guys have looked at some of the numbers with the new rules in college football, where it used to be every first down clock stopped. Now it only stops in the last two minutes. That has limited some possession counts because it speeds up the game a little bit, and that impacts the number of reps you're able to get as well, right? Yeah, it does. I mean, they say that the studies, that the, the play count drops by eight, eight to ten plays, and I, I just I felt like our offense hasn't, versus Montana State, weren't able to get into the flow mm -hmm. of the game, and so it was important for us just to get into rhythm and get drives, and did we need to get into a two-minute situation at the end of that half? No. Um, but it is practice as well for our guys to execute in a live situation. I feel like that was important, and we were able to get really two two-minute situations at the end of the half. So as many times as you can practice that in a live situation versus a different team that doesn't know everything that you do, I think that's really, really valuable. Okay, uh, a couple of traditions here. Normally this has been called improvement week. Is that still what we call a week without a game? Yeah, I guess I didn't put a name on it. It's a okay. bye week. We're not practicing, um, or we're not we're not playing this weekend. But I think it's about health. It's about refinement. It's about getting better. And uh, I talked to guys about that at length today, prior to coming down here. That you got to take care of business. You got to cut your grass. No weeds in the grass. Speaking of cutting, we are within one month of Hobo Day. Stig was always a big proponent of the No Shave Club for a month. We We're still just... got it going. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. want to clarify we, we started this. That. We started that a week ago. Okay. We're about a month away, right? What, we, yeah, yeah. We, we know, started. The 14th. Yeah. We are inside of a yeah. month now. Yeah, we so. started, I think, on last Tuesday. So that would be correct, yes. Yep. All right, so we're on board with this. So no shave for a month following yep. through with the Hobo Day tradition. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jimmy, we wish you best of luck this Thanks. week. We'll see you back here on Monday to talk about North Dakota. Thanks. He's the head coach of the Jacks, Jimmy Rogers. Thanks to him, Tucker Large, Pete Medage, and to you for listening. For all of us here from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill, I'm Tyler Merriam. We'll see you back here next Monday as we preview the North Dakota contest a week from Saturday, September the 30th at 6 o'clock. This has been the Jack Rabbit Sports Network from Learfield.